1: You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy out along with Randy McKay and Jonathan Von Tobel, we are doing what Monday Night Football tried to do with the three man crew uh, as we come down the stretch. It's conference championship weekend. Randy McKay was not happy that he fell behind Jonathan Von Tobel in the standings in the, uh, with a 2 0 week uh, last week. Both dogs in the AFC: Jacksonville and Cincinnati, uh, covering easily. JVT splits out, but still eleven games over five hundred. Seven of his last eight, he has hit. So both of these guys steaming down the stretch, guys. Thanks, Randy. Welcome aboard, buddy.
2: Yeah, I mean everything's going good. Uh, the very good playoff uh, round last week, and uh, looking to continue this week with a. Uh, couple pretty good games. We only got three games left in the NFL season. It kind of gets a little sad this time of year, but uh, just got to keep plugging around, uh, around and finding winners.
1: And JVT, Randy requested to kind of do it this way because he wants you to be in a road environment. He wants a hostile <laughs> crowd. So he wants. A, he's not happy about you passing it up. Uh, a, a excellent run so far, JVT. Again, seven of your last eight, 11 games over five hundred, thirty-three 33 and 22.
0: Yeah, like Randy said, it's kind of sad, right? Like I'm actually I'm starting to get a feel for the for, you know for the league, the best that I have at this point of the season, and we only have three games left to, to take advantage of it. So hopefully uh, that can continue over the next uh, what three weeks now and three games. But uh, uh, I'm excited. Well, what if we agree though? That's a problem. We might be in a like I might be in a road environment, but what if we agree That's, that it's not I, really that bad? We'll we'll bet with both hands. So yeah, there, yeah, there we go. It's uh,
1: not not uh, not a problem there. Both of these games um, roughly. Again, in the Pickham range, almost one of them almost got to three. Sniffing that three with Cincinnati, with the obvious of Mahomes' question mark, uh, probably will try and play, but high. Listen, he's not going to be a hundred percent. What you saw on Sunday is about the extent of what you are going to get of uh, Patrick Mahomes, and extremely limited for a guy who. Really, those big explosive plays is when the defense, the secondary, just breaks down because he's buying so much time uh, with his scrambling uh, uh, ability. So, Cincinnati is down to one at Bet Rivers now. It was right to go to three till a big uh, a big group popped uh, Kansas City pretty hard. One and 47, and Philadelphia is two and a half minus a dollar 15. Um, I'm wondering if that one will eventually get to three, and the total is 46. Randy, you're really good at this. Where do you think this line will go from here?
2: The Cincinnati Philly game, I believe, will probably tick up to that three mark. You mean
1: Cincinnati KC or Philly? Which one? You said Cincinnati San- Philly. Oh,
2: excuse me. The San Fran Philly, I believe, will tick up to three. Okay. And uh, this total just keeps rising, which is uh, surprising to me. And that'll that's going to be my first play probably is this total under. And I've already bet some under forty six, under forty six and a halves out there I think that's a pretty strong play you got two of the better defenses especially in the NFC these two teams unfamiliar with each other haven't played each other in a long time but uh, you got a lot of the better playmakers are on defense on both squads here and I think both defensive lines will dominate the uh, opposing offensive lines plus you got two uh two uh offenses that like to pretty much grind the ball down the field with a run game. Of course, Philly relies on their big plays through uh, extra yards per reception. And uh, if they can control Brown, which uh, this San Fran defense usually does, I think they will. And uh, I see this game kind of being a little bit of a maybe a sleeper under for us. You know, we've been good on these sleeper unders all yeah. year. And I see this game being a grinded out type game like the Dallas game was Previously last week, and uh that'll that'd be my first play. It would be the under here in the Philly uh, San Fran game.
1: Okay, all right, Randy coming right out the shoot he, he has no patience. Okay, these these you know <laughs> JVT. I mean, try to be as you know. I thought it was the young people who had more you know uh, patience issues, but Randy McKay. I mean, he's you know bulling it. He's ready to get it out there under. But I agree with Randy JVT and. The the Dallas San Francisco game, I'm watching it, and they're like, "This guy, were well, they not doing this? Man, those yards were hard to come by. I mean, that was some pretty good defenses. That Dallas pressure. I mean, what what is the uh, the the defensive back doing where he tackles Kittle on the key third and nine on the only touchdown drive? I mean, they got to Purdy in a, I mean, a second and a half. It was it's very tough, and I just kind of see that same type of game elements could be a little bit off track so to speak uh in philadelphia for this one um do you see the same uh, the same type of game type of game style of game where the yards will be tough to come by in philadelphia sunday
0: uh i i do and actually uh, it goes to what i was that uh, we come full circle a little bit we agree this was going to be my place as well as playing this nsc championship game under the total I, I think randy hit on every single point Uh, And look, running games can be explosive. We have seen that with San Francisco and with Philadelphia, the way that they're schemed up. But these are two really incredible defenses. And the other thing that I think it comes down to, they're two games in the playoffs, guys. Brock Purdy's been pretty average, right? In that game last week against the Dallas Cowboys, a PFF grade of under 70 uh, in that matchup. It was very mundane in terms of his yards per attempt. I think it was under 220 yards passing as well. Uh, And a lot of that came in the fourth quarter when they were trying to close it down, right? And he was actually completing some high percentage passes. I, I think when you're looking at this overall, I think the market is seeing two teams that have some very good offenses, and that's true. But I don't think it's taken to account how this game is going to be played and the defenses that each is going to face Uh, I agree with Randy and that was going to be one of the plays I used here playing this under the total for the NFC championship game I think we've got a similar game to what we saw between San Francisco and Dallas uh, more so than what we saw you know in some of those higher scoring affairs we've seen up to this point like a Giants Vikings type matchup I I think there's going to be kind of a grind fest one of the key games within the game to
1: kind of watch for is Taking the young quarterback on the road, we know to forget where he was drafted. Okay, the guy is showing a lot of poise. He's a rookie still. Okay, he still only has what six or seven starts or seven games that he's played. He basically played the whole game against Miami uh, when when they were down seven nothing. Uh, he came in for Garoppolo, but um, it was a lot of short, quick stuff. Philadelphia leads the league by in sacks, and it's not even close uh, to second place. But Philadelphia is a, a secondary that likes to cheat up and likes to because they know they get to the quarterback. He's going to have to take some shots downfield. He's going to have to. And I remember the Rams game. I'll, I'll jog you guys' memory also where he did hit Iuke, uh for a big one. He mm-hmm. did hit McCaffrey. I think McCaffrey scored like three touchdowns up in that game uh, where they beat the Rams pretty good. So um, he's going to have to take some shots downfield where – that just wasn't the case because he was being pressured so much by Dallas uh, in the game on Sunday, Randy.
2: Yeah, and this uh, this San Fran team has only been lit up like one time on in recent memory. On uh, and that was the KC game, a game I got wrong, and I think that was their last loss. You know they've won uh, you know how many straight here with Purdy and uh, their whole team. So uh, I mean, this is a team that's got Pro Bowlers on the up front. They got a linebacker, they got it in, in the defensive backfield, and they just don't allow that big play. And uh, that should help us here. And then on the other side, you got a very good tackling team, too, in Philadelphia. They do uh, have been a little suspect to the run, but that'll work in our favor as far as this total. And I think this is uh, looking like a good grinder game.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'd, add to Randy, I'd add to Randy's point, too. I would say that the other the other notable result in terms of this San Francisco defense being somewhat poor was that Raiders game, right? Jared Siddham's first start uh, for Las Vegas, what was that, like a month ago or so? Uh, right. in a well schemed effort by uh, Josh McDaniels and the Raiders, but to the overall point it's not really one that cracks and I got to say guys you know as you look at some of the numbers for for a guy like Purdy, I think it is somewhat troubling for this offense that as the sample size grows for him and as the opponents step up and measure right those numbers have gotten more pedestrian for Brock Purdy the, the schedule down the stretch of the regular season for the San Francisco 49ers was not really that good uh, the right. best opponents that they faced were the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I think what uh, the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders among them like that wasn't really uh, the best schedule at all for the San Francisco 49ers in terms of level of opponent so no I think that this is going to be a pretty limited attack here for Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers and also too I mean what was the game plan that we have seen Philly look its weakest then we go back to that Monday night game that was grind that thing out right that yes. was keep Philly off of the field that was you know run for like four yards to carry get the play clock down and extend some of those drives and I think that's what the San Francisco 49ers want to try to do anyway and the same uh, could uh. be said for Philly.
1: Oh, that's San Francisco. The way Washington pl- attacked offensively—that's identical to what San Francisco does. I mean, you know, they, they're going to start with the running attack, and you know, and Shanahan's very creative with it, using Samuel and McCaffrey and moving things and uh, and Jusek, you know. And so, and one thing—if you look at the drive chart too on uh, Sunday's game with Dallas and San Francisco—kind of wore down Dallas a little bit late because it was the last two drives that were really. Uh, or the last three drives, actually, that uh, produced the most uh, yardage uh, for San Francisco.
0: Um, so, hey Jimmy. Yes, I'm sorry. If, if I could add, no, I just wanted to add really quickly, and this is something I, I like to do as well. And uh, I'd love to get Randy's thoughts on this. You know, Kyle Shanahan is one of the best offensive play callers in the National Football League. And, and one of the things that I like to do when it comes to betting some of these games, especially with a guy like Shanahan out there, that first drive, is there's a good chance it's going to be successful for San Francisco, whether that's going to be a touchdown, whether it's going to be a field goal. And coming in in-game after a successful opening drive for an offense like that and betting this thing under the total. So I'm going to bet this game under the total, but an in-game under after that first drive of San Francisco is successful, I think is a really good angle to look at because those scripted drives are a lot more successful than you realize right it's like that first inning in baseball a lot of people don't think that there's uh runs in the first inning it actually happens more often than you think because you get the top of the order same thing here with football I tend to try to play these uh, games under the total after first drive scores if that's going to be the case and Shanahan's a pretty good play caller
1: that's so funny Randy because we remember the Walsh era and that's something that Walsh made really I mean he was really known for was those first 15 plays and how how well Montana uh, executed that you know how many times they scored and there you know on those first drives no question about it let me ask you guys we talk about recency bias a lot and looking for value and the betting public usually gravitates to what they saw last and so I mean the 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 term didn't just come out the sky I mean there's a reason for it I thought there was some recency bias after Dallas beat Tampa Bay Um, no matter what you think Tampa Bay was a losing record okay And it's just that simple. Um, I thought there was a recency bias in the Giants beating Minnesota. Um, I'm not going to overreact to Daniel Jones struggling against a good defense against Philadelphia, and I'm certainly not going to overreact to him completing passes with guys 20 yards into clear. I mean, some of those designed runs, old school football, single wing, I thought it was Stetson Bennett running against TCU. He was barely touched until 15, 20 yards down the field. Is recency bias come into this play because that Giants roster finally showed what they are and were kind of weak and just inferior to where we saw Daybull go for it on 4th and 8 on his first drive and then kind of give up on 4th and 6, down 28-7, late in the third quarter, early in the fourth. I forget what exactly it was, but can we overreact to Philly being so dominant to a team that kind of wasn't that good? Randy?
2: Yeah, and there's always recency bias in all sports, especially in, in football, especially with these uh, games that everybody can watch. You see it all the time. You know, we see it every week. Uh, one team looks horrible, and then the next week they're a 10-point underdog, and they win outright. I mean, it just it just happens all the time. I don't know if there's any recency bias here as far as the playoffs go. And yeah. another thing to point to what JVT was talking about in these uh, championship games, you have a little extra time here to know who's going to get the ball. You know, you can see the they actually call it out, or if you want to do the radio call, you can find out who gets the ball first, who wins a coin toss, and that can help your in-game as far as, you know, if San Fran gets the ball, then you can look at how they're doing in the drive, and then you can go from there. I use that tool quite a bit. You know, I do some first-half betting as well. So uh, that's helped me over the years. But you only have a sh- really short window. But as far as recency bias, there's there's that in every sport and more so in the NFL. Uh,
0: JVT. Tigg? No, I think there's obviously – Randy said it, right? There's always recency bias. I, I think this is more about – Jalen Hurts looking healthy right like that was one of the big questions for Philly going into that game was you hear quotes after week 18 hey he was in a lot of pain you know they didn't want him to play in that final game of the regular season because they wanted him to get those what would have been four or five weeks of rest before his first playoff game and so I think what ties into this is it might be the result but it's actually that Jalen Hurts looked like Jalen Hurts right the guy that's up for an MVP this year and I think that ties into it but I think you can make the argument Jimmy that still enough recency bias isn't really being put into this like like it, when you look at some of the projections out there where they had the San Francisco 49ers pick minus one and this thing opens up at like one and a half, I, I don't know if there was enough right. recency bias for Philadelphia here from a side perspective. So I, I think it was more about Jalen Hurts and his health uh, as opposed to maybe the result against, as you mentioned, right, an inferior opponent that was playing out over at Skies in New York.
1: A veteran uh, Philadelphia sports journalist, Sal Palantonio, he put Jalen Hurts, he said he what he's playing right now, he thinks about 75 80% for what that's worth well you couldn't asked for a more stress-free <laughs> type of right. game than what they had on uh <clears throat> on uh Saturday night they would have hi Randy uh any side you gave us a total both Randy <clears throat> Randy you and JVT like the under 46 but Philadelphia two and a half minus 115 do you have a side in this game
2: I only recommend uh using San Fran right now in a teaser bet and I've done that <laughs> Whether you can, you know, this more of an offshore thing. You can do an open teaser if you can't find a candidate. Or if you got a one-and-a-half with the Chiefs, you can maybe do them up to seven-and-a-half. That's the only way I'd recommend the side. I think getting over a touchdown with San Fran, if they lose the game, they're definitely going to hang in there. I think both this is going to be a low-scoring grinder, close game, and it's going to probably come down to a field goal.
0: JVT? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, this is going to be a game, too, where there's going to be some in-game opportunities from a side and total perspective as well, especially with a tight number and if it starts to become a little bit of a grinder. Any change of score uh, will help you out in either way. So I think the teaser would be the best option or waiting in-game to get a small plus price of the Philadelphia Eagles. But I definitely think the Eagles uh, are going to win this game.
1: All right, uh, so the Eagles uh, minus 2.5 uh, for a JVT. All right, the nightcap and the rematch of the AFC Championship game last year. <coughs> Cincinnati uh, winning it of course we talked about Mahomes injury and look man pretty much what you saw is what you're going to get if you're wondering one thing over the last I don't know 10 12 15 years since high ankle sprain has become sort of a common injury it lingers it doesn't go away and so you know with the pain medication that that's what they went through um I'm not so sure if Chad Henney is not a better option right now than an extremely limited uh, Patrick Mahomes. We know it's Mahomes. He wants to go. He's a competitor. He's all but the uh, MVP, MVP of the all but a lock for the MVP this year. Cincinnati's down to one right now. One in 47. Randy, what do you think?
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely tough to call. you got to wait on, the. Uh, well, of course, all these practice reports and everything, how Mahomes is doing. And like you said, what, 37, 38-year-old Chad Henney isn't that bad of an option. We've seen him drive the ball 98 yards down the field methodically. I, my Jacksonville bet I thought was looking really good at that point when he was in the game, and they were on the two-yard line, and then all of a sudden, you know, they drop an interception, and he down the field he goes, and uh, it was a sweater right to the end, but we got her home. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is just uh, – a game where uh, a lot of things can happen. They played to 27-24 in the first game. I don't expect that many points here because I don't think this is going to be a wide-open game here with the Mahomes injury if he plays. uh, Andy Reid's going to have to readjust his offensive game plan, use his running game more with Pacheco, who had a very good game last week. Use McKinnon a little bit more, probably out of the backfield on third down. I mean, that could be a good option. Short passes now instead of. Uh, of course, they don't have, after Tyreek Hill. They, you know, it's all yards after catch type guys. They don't have a like a really good stretch field guy, without right. Hartman in there. So, uh, yeah, I just see another you know a grinder game where we're getting a little extra on the total, even though with the injury, I think this total's still too high. And I think we get another grinder, you know, game barely in the 20s. And uh, both these games, I think, will be lower scoring games. And uh, that's how I'm looking at this game.
1: We've had a few of these uh, in the postseason. These short passing, control passing games, and that's what we expect with Kansas City's approach here. Cincinnati being down three offensive linemen going against Buffalo, and we saw the first drive. I mean, it was Joe Burrow, the third quickest of any game the entire season of his release. You know, uh, you know, getting getting rid of the ball to make it easier on that uh, on his offensive line. Uh, we saw it with Tom Brady against Dallas, where. <clears throat> where, excuse me, where they, I mean, they they, they have all kinds of protection issues, get it out quick. Now, the yards and points came against a prevent and garbage time late, but we've seen some of these, and we may see it again with that total at 47. JVT, Cincinnati won in 47.
0: Man, so this is obviously a really unique game, and I'm I'm approaching it from a little bit more of a unique standpoint. I've got a pretty decent future number on the Cincinnati Bengals uh, to win the Super Bowl. So I, I... from a from a standpoint of where this is, I kind of like it, right? Because then I can maneuver a little bit with this future at Kansas City. What's your price, JVT? Fifteen to one okay. on Cincinnati to win the Super Bowl, but I I think. I feel like this is kind of, Jimmy, like a market overcorrection, right? This is a market that has not believed in Cincinnati, really, for the last two and a half months from a power rating standpoint. It's why they're so good against the number, why they've been doing what they've been able to do. And I get that Patrick Mahomes has this ankle injury, but against an opponent that is similarly rated to Buffalo, right? A team that they were catching six against just a couple of days ago. Now they're laying one on the road to that same, same, similarly rated opponent. And even if you want to factor in an injury to Patrick Mahomes... Is that injury and maybe an adjustment by Cincinnati's power rating worth seven points? It's a really big swing here, I think. So I think from a betting standpoint, the teaser option is Randy mentioned, right? Pairing it up with San Francisco and teasing you know, Kansas City up is always a very good option. I think that for me, the way I'm going to approach it, if I'm actually making a wager here, you can get over at Bett Rivers Kansas City first half money line at plus 104. I think that's a way to look at it as well. Getting a plus price on Kansas City that first half is when uh, we'll call it the juices. The medical juices will be flowing for Patrick Mahomes. He should be at his best. Uh, that'll linger a little bit more into the second half, and maybe that wears off and he's not as effective. But I think when you put everything together, you'll probably get a better, uh, better, more efficient effort from Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the first half than you would here in the second half. If that ankle injury is a serious. So that's the way I approached it. Um, outside of the actual, you know, money that I put down on the game just to maneuver off of this future. But I think the market is kind of overcorrecting itself after sleeping on Cincinnati for the last, you know, two and a half months. So you 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 you're like Kansas
1: City in the first half is what we're saying at uh plus one hundred four?
0: Yeah, Kansas City money line first half plus 104 uh, is the one that I would put out there for the Bent Rivers podcast. Yeah, that would now, be the that, way.
1: That's a three-way. That includes a tie. Yep. The, just a two-way is minus 112. Okay, so uh, three-way plus, <coughs> plus 104. Keep in mind, too, you know, we talk about Chad Henney taking him 98 yards down the field. Um he did throw for 23 of the 98 on that drive. So 75 of the 98 uh, <laughs> did come uh, on the ground. So as we want to try and anoint uh, Chad Henney as the, uh, I don't know, I don't know, Jeff Hostetler taking over in the playoffs, whatever. I um I like Cincinnati, guys. Um I'm sorry, uh, you know, Randy, I don't know why you um, wear that damn LSU National Championship <laughs> shirt and not, you know, just releasing, you know, Cincinnati for the moon. He's a special guy. We uh, nobody, uh, everybody knows that by now. Keep in mind, This guy didn't even make the Pro Bowl last year, which is kind of a joke. But anyway, nothing bothers him. Nothing bothers him. And, you know, it's. It's, it's rare that you lift an entire organization. Cincinnati's history in their their operational uh, procedures uh, from the front office and from an ownership standpoint have been near the bottom in the league. And he's got this. He's got the coach talking differently. He's got everybody. We think he's very special. And I, I just can't see. Hey, they beat Mahomes in Kansas City the last three times when he's been 100%, you know, twice last year and again uh, this year. So, I just can't see where uh, Kansas City with a, a, a banged-up Mahomes is going to beat Cincinnati. Uh, and then also, I t- I'm all over that San Francisco uh, teaser, plus eight and a half. I think yards and points are going to be hard to come by, and I'll middle it. I'll take Cincinnati minus one. I'll try and get to one and a half and take Kansas City plus that seven and a half if we can get the first half home uh, in the early game. We all like the under in game one, correct? Yep. In, uh, in in Philadelphia, San Francisco. Uh, so, we do like that. I, I think that's just an old-school game, man. It reminded me of the 70s games between Dallas and San Francisco. I think the same way. Yards are going to be hard uh, to come by. Uh, JVT, first half, Kansas City in game one, plus 104. Um, Randy, you like the under in game two. I'm sorry, game two, Cincinnati, Kansas City. Also, so two unders. So, first week in the wild card round, 5-1, and one, a half a point from going 6-0 and oh to the over, and you know it was going to flip to the under, huh? The books got rich last week, 4-0 and oh, uh, to the under, and you you still think these numbers are a little bit high, Randy?
2: Yeah, I do, and uh, getting to your point here with Cincinnati, you know, they were down double digits last year in the same situation or over a touchdown, if I remember yeah. right. Have faith in Lou An- Anarumo's defense here. I mean, this guy makes incredible adjustments and uh, very underrated defense, very underrated defensive line, good tackling linebackers, and the secondary's gotten better these last couple years. So if Cincinnati's going to win this game, which, you know, some of us think, I think it's going to be a close game and they'll probably pull it off with McPherson. It's going to be Lou Romo's Anar- defense more so than Joe Burrow. Uh, having success against the other side and in, uh, in uh, KC's defense,
1: they held Buffalo to ten points. I mean, held Buffalo to ten points, and let's face it, um, won the wild card ra- uh, round game. I mean, you know, not just with the the one play, but uh, kept uh, Baltimore out of the end zone, where Baltimore really did have the oh uh, Joe Burrow and Cincinnati's offense number uh, in that wild card round. They probably should have
0: won uh, that game. Jvt, anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I think we've hit it on everything. And I, uh, as much as I, uh, I, I really do like, I want to, I would say this, I want to clarify. I like this Cincinnati team a lot. And you know, I, I come from the position where I'm at, but I think this is the best team in the National Football League. I've liked this team for quite a while. The market has slept on them for a little bit. You guys have said anything, everything you need to say about Joe Burrow. That wide receiver core is incredible, and I think Randy's point about that off, uh, that defensive line with Trey Hendrickson there it's a really underrated group who can get after opposing quarterbacks. The market really has been kind of sleeping on this Bengals team, and now they're learning that that run last year was not you know it was not a fluke. And I'd also say too, I think it's a really great point. Because we've kind of forgotten right after last week, hey, we were all freaking out about this offensive line for the Cincinnati Bengals. But you have to keep in mind, one guy that lost four weeks ago now in Lyle Collins or a little bit after that, so they've worked without him. The other guy, your left tackle, actually wouldn't have been, been one of the worst left tackles in terms oh, of sacks he's allowed, not good. Right? Right, yeah, yeah, so yeah. You, you're talking about really one guy, Alex Kappa, with some legit problems in terms of losing him. You can overcome that, so I think the market kind of overvalued those losses, too, and I think as you move forward, you'll kind of see that you, know, you might have some deficiencies there, but this offensive line is going to be a little bit better than we expected.
1: Keep in mind, you know, back in the day, you know, it, the, the best teams where you're surrounded by a bunch of good players, it's hard to evaluate Alabama has five stars everywhere, and some of these offensive linemen have fallen through the cracks. You guys know one that was drafted by the Raiders in the first round. He got left go. Giants, uh, their rookie, they drafted in the top 10. Evan Neal, he's struggling. Jonas Williams is one of the weaker starting left tackles in all of football. It's just. You know, it's easier to be hidden when you're surrounded by a bunch of great players. That's my only Alabama dig for the day. All right, for Jonathan Von Tobel I'm Ra- and Randy McKay, thank you, fellas. Great stuff as always. Good luck this week. Come on, JVT, with that 15-to-1. This is Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.